1: Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.
2: At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.
1: This is the best of OutKick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio.
3: We are in the zone here. The Baltimore Ravens were in the zone. The Stanford Cardinal managed to be in the zone for just long enough to get past Oregon State last night and avoid what would have been a pretty epic uh, upset on behalf of the Beavers. Uh, it's always hard, it hard to say that without, uh, without snickering a little bit. And uh, last night's number one story, I think beyond a shadow of a doubt, I was watching, many of you were watching as well. In the second quarter, Joe Flacco took off uh, sprinting outside of the pocket, running towards the first down line. Uh, as he realized that he was probably not going to reach that first down line, he decided to slide. As he slid, maybe perhaps a little bit late, Kiko Alonso uh, was not able or was not willing to pull up and avoid delivering what was a brutal hit that knocked Flacco out of the game with a concussion. His helmet came flying off, uh, bleeding from the ear. There was then a, a melee on the field. And uh, it's the number one story, I think, beyond a shadow of a doubt right now in sports. Let's listen to that live call last night from Tony Romo and Jim Nance on CBS.
4: Flacco rolling, rolling and running. And he's going to have to, oh, not the ball, comes out off it was Kiko Alonso who delivered the blow blacko's on his feet and Harbaugh's yelling at Alonzo right now he's in Alonso's face Harbaugh is livid you just lost your quarterback for the game and Harbaugh knows that this is a watch this Joe with a good run slides oh. bends his head helmet comes jarringly off and it's definitely a penalty as the quarterback gives himself up and he leans that arm in there. That's, that's not okay. Well, He knows he's going down, and at the end right there, he leans it down. Alonzo way too aggressive. Quarterback's giving himself up. You need to at least show restraint at the end of that.
3: And uh, as a result, a uh, lot of, uh, man, a lot of ugliness uh, in that game. As you heard the, the, the scrum after the game, I will say this for the officials. Uh, there was a play earlier this year where Marcus Mariota got hit very late by Richard Sherman out of bounds, and then the offensive line stood up for Mariota, and referees called offsetting personal fouls, and so there was actually no penalty assessed effectively on the play. I will say this. The one thing I liked about the way this uh, this play was covered by the officiating crew uh, was that they did not penalize the Baltimore Raven offensive line, for going after Alonzo. Uh, They just gave the 15-yard penalty for the hit, which I think is the right decision there. Because otherwise you get the hit, and then you get the offensive line reacting to the hit, and there's offsetting personal fouls, and there's literally no impact from the play itself. And it's funny, my six-year-old, he just turned seven, was watching this, uh, this game with me, Last night, um, as we were getting ready for bed, and he thought, I I was like impressed by him. He said, Dad, that's different than the Mariota play where both of the teams got personal fouls, and so the overall impact was negligible because you end up with the offsetting fouls. Here, you got a 15 yard penalty. Now, when I was watching that live in real time, I thought Alonzo should have gotten kicked out of the game. And I don't think there's any doubt if this were a college football game, he would have gotten kicked out for targeting. I think he should get kicked out in uh, in the NFL as well. If I were in charge of looking at this play in the NFL, I would say that Kiko Alonso needed to be kicked out of this game because the NFL is only as good as the quarterbacks. And we can get into a debate about whether or not Joe Flacco is a great quarterback, but I think there's no doubt at all that the Baltimore Ravens are significantly better with Joe Flacco than they are with Ryan Mallett. Now, they're a 4-4 and team regardless. They're the most average team in the NFL so far this year. But assuming that Flacco is likely to miss at least one game and potentially two in this concussion protocol, not to mention how serious a concussion injury is in general, I think you have to do everything you can to protect a quarterback. Now, you can say, oh, Flacco should have given himself up earlier. He should have slid. Guys, I don't think we're very far from an era in the NFL when the head coach just tells a quarterback, don't even try to run. Just immediately give yourself up. If you can't throw the football, just take a knee. If you can't run out of bounds, there's no point in in, in trying to gain six or seven yards or eight yards or nine yards or whatever it is. There is absolutely nothing to gain by doing it because there are very few quarterbacks who can consistently run and maintain their health. I mean, who's the most successful mobile quarterback of the last 15 years in terms of being able to stay healthy? Maybe Russell Wilson. And he's had injuries, but can you think of anybody else that is consistently able to run and stay healthy? I'm not talking about for a few games they can run. I'm not talking about every now and then they might tuck the ball and take off. I'm talking about somebody who has been able to get outside the pocket and consistently make plays with his legs and also avoid serious injury. Every quarterback who's mobile in the NFL ends up significantly injured if they are mobile long enough. And probably the most successful mobile quarterback of the last 20 years is Michael Vick, and he had all sorts of injuries from uh, from things that he took when he left the pocket. Maybe you can go back in time and say Steve Young or Joe Montana. Sorry, Steve Young or uh, or John Elway, but those guys were playing in a different era. I I don't know that you could take those hits today. The guys are bigger, stronger, faster now than when Steve Young and John Elway were playing. I'm trying to think of a guy other than Russell Wilson. Cam Newton has become a shell of himself. He can barely run now. Uh, We don't even know how many years he's got left. Ultimately, the NFL is a passers game. And if you can't make a living passing inside the pocket, then you're worthless as a quarterback in this league. Sooner or later, they will stop you from being able to run. And not only will they stop you, they will severely injure you on the defensive side of the ball. Even a guy like Joe Flacco, who's clearly a quintessential pocket quarterback, is getting destroyed there on this play. Well, Kiko Alonzo uh, was uh, approached after the game. Game was not. game was a laugher. Uh, the Ravens win forty to nothing. It was an awful Thursday night contest. But Kiko Alonso was approached uh, after the game, and this is what he said to defend himself.
5: I thought maybe if he slid a second sooner, I was anticipating him sliding. I was going to not hit him, but I think he, it was like you know uh, second late, which is why I hit him. You know, when a guy slides, you know, his target is very small. I just think uh, you know it was like a second a second late, which is why I hit him. To be honest with you.
3: See, I think Alonzo, uh, Kigo Alonzo, could have just gone over the top of him because he was going full speed. But I think instead of hitting him, once he's given himself up to slide, as low as Alonzo was going, it was definitely the case, in my opinion, that he knew that Flacco was going to slide and he was just trying to get a hit on him. And look, uh, to me, in that situation, he should have just gone over the top of him and tried to avoid hitting him at all instead of leading with the shoulder and going right in at the head level. You know the quarterback is going to slide there, and I understand you think, oh, I'm going to stop him from getting that first down. That's what I'm trying to do. But he went heat-seeking missile on him. Uh, John Harbaugh was also asked about the hit after the game, and he had this to say.
5: Joe had a concussion and a cut ear. His ear was cut from, like, in here all the way down to his earlobes. They were stitching that up, without any anesthesia, so it was a tough dude at halftime. And that's as much as I know about it. You, you had some words for Alonzo. It was very apparent on TV. Was it? Yeah. Um, yeah, well, we were okay afterwards, so. Are you okay? That, that wasn't a clean hit, was it? I'm not commenting on that. Yeah. It was, I was penalized correctly, I would say. you feel like an ejection was? It's not for me to say, but thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No question. No question. It's a fair question. Put it that way. It's a fair question.
3: I'm surprised that Harbaugh wouldn't say yes and an ejection was merited. Maybe it's because his own defense over the years has also had its share of borderline hits, and so he didn't want to necessarily take the next step and criticize that and then look like a hypocrite when one of his guys takes out a quarterback. But to me, the most important thing the NFL can do is protect quarterbacks because quarterbacks ultimately determine whether their games are watchable or not. I mean, a Ryan Mallett versus Matt Moore... Thursday night football game is not very good. A Joe Flacco versus Matt Moore contest is not very good either, but it's a lot better than what Matt Moore against Ryan Mallett would have looked like. And so my opinion is that was a dirty hit. NFL needs to send a message to defensive players that quarterbacks, especially when they slide like that, even if they're giving themselves up a little bit late, that you can't hit them. You have to protect the quarterback position right now in this league, particularly given – how many of quarterback how many of the quarterbacks out there are getting injured. You might say, Oh, well, I long for the NFL the eras of big hits and everything else. Well, frankly, there's like twelve quarterbacks in this league who can play at a high level. And if you took these 12 quarterbacks out of the league right now, the NFL would be unwatchable.
1: Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I have put out several different
3: poll questions for you knuckleheads to vote in. Uh, And if I can pull them up, I will tell you what they are. Uh, First of all, uh, we are reacting to Thursday night football last night between the Dolphins and the Ravens. The big story, Kiko Alonso, and his hit on Joe Flacco, and I am asking you guys, do you believe that uh, Kiko Alonso should have been ejected for his Joe Flacco hit? 62% of you are saying yes. I love these Twitter polls, and I don't know how accurate they are, but tens of thousands of you will typically end up voting in them, and I do think they give a rough approximation, at least, of what my Twitter audience believes. And the Twitter audience, uh, for me, and you can find me on uh, on Twitter, at Clay Travis. Uh, has become substantial, at least. We're over 500,000 followers. You know, 20,000 people will vote. 15,000 people will vote in each of these polls. So I do think it's kind of an interesting test case. So pretty substantial majority, 62% of you, thinks that he should have been ejected based on what happened there. Now, first of all, I'm fighting through a cold today, so I apologize for all the sniffling, but I'm lucky to be alive. Let's be honest. Secondly, uh, a couple of other additional polls. Uh, Have you watched Stranger Things? Stranger Things 2 drops today as we head into the weekend when many of you will be celebrating Halloween. Uh, Stranger Things is a series on Netflix. Last year was season one. This year, season two is out. And uh, so far, approaching 1,000 of you have voted, and it's almost exactly even. About half of my Twitter following has watched Stranger Things. By the way, if you have Netflix and you haven't watched it, then you should. This is amazing to me. I have never heard, like, maybe I'm wrong. But I feel like I get ripped for a lot of stuff that nobody else ever gets ripped for, and in particular, yesterday, Deadspin wrote. Deadspin's a, a, a sports blog that used to be run by by men with penises, and now it's run by men who have cut their penises off and held them up to apologize to women for having penises. Um, they said uh, on their website uh, that I've got that I'm going to pay for what I have written and said in my career and I'll definitely pay at the gates of hell. So they are saying that I am going to go to hell for what I have done in my career as a sports writer. I don't remember anybody ever getting criticized. Maybe I maybe I'm wrong on this. Can you remember anybody ever getting criticized who is in the sports opinion business to such an extent? that people said he was going to go to hell, or she, certainly no woman gets criticized like that, that a major site like Deadspin would say that I'm going to go to hell. Not for anything that I've done, but just for, like, physically, like, oh, Clay Travis has killed people, or, oh, Clay Travis has committed crimes. Like, so far as I know, I have never committed any crime. Certainly, I have never been charged with any crime or had to go on trial for a crime or anything like that. They're saying that I'm going to go to hell because of the things that I have said, and the things that I have written. Let's bring in the crew. Can you remember, Jason Martin, anybody in the world of sports media ever being written that they're going to go to hell because of what they have said uh, or written in the world of sports? Can you ever remember seeing somebody say that about somebody in our industry?
6: No, I don't think they're saying it because of your sports content. If you want me to try and come up with a reason. It's definitely the first time I've heard it in a sports personality, but I don't think they see you as a sports personality either. So you think it's the political commentary that they think I'm going to go to hell for? I mean, that and the culture commentary. Like the, the stuff that they deem either racist or sexist or whatever like that. You're in the class with a Howard Stern, and then they will also loop you in with an Alex Jones or somebody like that. They don't see you as Dan Patrick, for example. So I don't necessarily think they are going after a sports media personality. They're going after somebody they just deem a monster in general.
3: But a monster because of things that I have said and done. Like, you're going to go to hell because we disagree with your opinions about things. That seems like a really aggressive definition of hell. Like Whether you believe uh, that, that, that hell is filled with tons of people or not, it seems like you should have to do things to go to hell, Right. Like, my opinions on the world of sports and politics and culture, like, that's so offensive to Deadspin that I should go to hell for it? That seems – like, I, I think what's happening here, and, and I'll bring in L.A. to find out – they live in L.A. You can't live in L.A. and think I'm going to go to hell for anything. I mean, that's like that's like – you're already in Hades. Um, what's amazing about, about this is um, I think what's happening is we're in a weird era. We're in a weird era that I believe is like a modern-day Joe McCarthy era, and everybody out there is constantly looking around for somebody to have sent a tweet or somebody to have written something that is a tinge offensive to anybody, and then they're like, oh, you've got to be fired. You can't continue to do your job, and... I've got so much stuff out there, millions of words in the 13 or 14 years that I have written and talked about sports, politics, pop culture, or whatever. And people are like, how can Clay Travis say everything that he says and still be employed anywhere? Well, first of all, I employ myself. So suck on it. Secondly, it's because I'm honest, and that's why we have such a massive audience, and I think that is what drives people crazy now. It used to be oh, Clay Travis sucks, but he's just starting out. Nobody's paying attention to him. Now I have eclipsed all of my critics, and we are dominating on all facets. And it used to be, oh, Clay Travis is going to be a failure. That's what I used to hear. Oh, Clay Travis is going to be such a failure. Don't pay attention to him. Now we're big, and it's clear that I'm a success. And now all these Lilliputins out there, all these tiny little losers, they're like, oh, we got to go pull Clay Travis down. He's going to hell. Can you believe that? Have you, like, literally Deadspin wrote that I'm going to go to hell? Like, that's a different. Even for me, I was like, wow. Like, uh, give Deadspin credit. Like, I can't believe that now the standard is they're not even judging me on what I'm doing right now in my career. They're now judging my eternal damnation. (laughs) They've moved beyond, oh, well, Clay Travis is really successful now. For a 38-year-old dude, he's massively successful. They're not even fighting that anymore that he's going to be a loser, he's never going to succeed fight. Now they're like, but he's going to burn in hell for the rest of his life for what he's done. That's a pretty big leap. And honestly, I'm kind of impressed by it. That's such a big leap. I mean, to go from, oh, you know, Clay Travis is going to be a failure in his life. By the way, I was an editor at Deadspin at 28. I was employed by the same site that now says I'm going to burn in hell. That's a That's a hell of a, a pivot. I mean, even that has to surprise you guys in L.A., right? I mean, do you guys think that I'm going to go to hell?
7: <laughs> well, this is kind of like how John Wall was supposedly going to torture Lonzo Ball for 48 minutes the other night didn't yeah. didn't happen and God would never torture you eternally Clay, so there's no hell, you're good.
3: Do you think that there would be like I, I all like even if I'm going to heaven. I, I like the pearly gates
7: well, or the gates that. of hell. What's that? I didn't say all that.
3: Yeah, but even if I'm going <laughs> to heaven. Let's presume I don't think it would be very much fun to stand in line. Like, I, I hope that heaven has a fast pass because I, that all the people who are dying, like there's tons of people who are going to die today. Hopefully they go to heaven. Hopefully they have a great eternal life. But I don't think that I would be willing to stand in line. And even as I was a little kid, I don't find the idea of eternity to be that entertaining. What I would like to do is just kind of like, I think I would get bored. What are you going to do all the time? And this has been my question ever since I was a little kid. Like, eternity is a long-ass time. Uh, What I would like to do is I would like to just make sure that I don't miss things. Like, if I died and then there was a great television show that came out and I didn't get to watch it, I'd be disappointed about that. If I died and I didn't get to see how my kids or my grandkids are going to turn out or my great-grandkids, I'd be disappointed about that. What I would like to do is just be able to come back in time every now and then And get uploaded with everything that I missed. Oh, like this Stranger Things is really good. Oh, television's gotten even better. Oh, this new book is amazing. Like I am not happy about the things that I will miss that will come after I'm dead because I think it'll be awesome, right? But the actual eternity of never-ending like never-ending life, it doesn't seem that appealing to me. By the way, I just it doesn't like people are like, oh, heaven's going to be amazing. Like you're there forever. I I don't know. What are you going to do? Like, you can only, like, hang out, you know, for so much time. Eventually, you're going to get bored. I get bored now. And I'm pretty busy now. I can't imagine that I wouldn't get bored in heaven, too. Uh, Anyway, do you agree with Deadspin that I'm going to hell? 57% of you say no. 43% of you do think that I'm going to go to hell. Justin Cooper, you're going to go to hell because you don't like Chick-fil-A. What do you think about my likelihood of going to hell?
0: Well, Clay, I don't know, uh, you know, what else you do outside of this show, but... Um, no, I don't, I don't think they're
3: saying I'm going to hell, not for anything that I've actually done. Like they're not judging me. That's what's so funny about this. They're judging me based on what I say on the radio and what I tweet and what I say on outkick the show on Periscope and Facebook and what I write on my website, they're saying I'm going to hell based on my opinions in the world of sports and beyond, which is a standard. Like you could, I could be a serial killer, right? I could be, I'm not, but I could be. I could have all sorts of sinful behavior that I do and engage in on a regular basis. Frankly, I don't do any of that now because I get up at 4 a.m. And the truth of the matter is I don't think there are that many sinful people who get up at 4 a.m. because you can't get in that much trouble when you go to bed by 10 o'clock. This is you know, this is the truth. This is why like John Cheney would practice his teams at 5 a.m. at Temple when he was a basketball coach. Because he knew if you make college kids get up at 5 a.m they're going to be so damn tired at night that they can't go out and chase girls and get in trouble. There's a line like, nothing good happens after midnight. That's wrong. Everything good happens after midnight if you're in college. Every pretty much sexual act that happens after midnight happens after, you know, happens after the bars, after being out on the night for the town. But if you want your people to stay completely out of trouble, make them get up at 4 a.m. like me. There ain't that much you can get into, honestly. Nothing happens before 10 o'clock. You got three young kids. My house, like I got nothing I can get into. So I, it'd be a real upset if I went to hell. But forty-two percent of you think I'm going to go for go to hell for my opinions. And fifty percent of you have watched Stranger Things. And sixty-two percent of you believe Kiko Alonso should have been ejected for that Joe Flacco hit.
1: Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at six a.m. Eastern, three a.m. Pacific. And gentlemen, I'm just glad I was there. Boys and girls, I thought he thought I was like this ginormous piece of chicken. Dying times here. I had a boa constrictor
0: stuck to my face. Man, you have a what? This
7: is Animal
5: Thunderdome.
3: All right, boys and girls, what we got? I'll go to you first, Jason Martin.
6: California Elementary School placed on lockdown. Why? A mother bear and her cub decided to tour campus and wander the hallways. They got it signed. Oh, yeah. Tuesday morning around 10 a.m., Pasadena Rosebud Academy director Sean Brumfeld said a student at the Altadena, California, school was walking to his classroom when he spotted the mother bear in a hallway. This This student then immediately came to the office and let them know the school was placed on lockdown, also an adjacent campus was locked down for about 45 minutes. Then witnesses spotted a second bear, a cub, also in the hallway during the lockdown. And here's what they were doing. The mom was pacing back and forth while the child was in the trash, I guess trying to find food for the family. The mom was letting the kid kind of do the work. Brumfeld said, quote, they were very subdued. They weren't aggressive or anything, unquote. The bears actually wandered away from campus before authorities got onto the scene. So they actually Where is just Altadena? rolled in. Uh, you're going to have to ask the California crew on that one. I didn't even want to look it up because I'm sure they know. <laughs> that is not far from Pasadena, California. So
3: that's uh, yes. what so I thought. So it's basically not far from the Dodger Stadium.
7: Not, not too far. About, about, uh, about 15, 20-minute drive.
3: I mean, it's in L.A. County.
7: Yeah, those Altadena hills are famous for all the wildlife that you know come down into the neighborhoods. So, it's it's kind of like uh, Yellowstone of Southern California. Yeah, I
3: mean, yeah. So you're just not surprised that an LA County school <laughs> can just have bears wandering through the, hall, the the hallways?
7: No, in that area, we see it often on local TV stations covering the animals wandering the neighborhoods around that So part bears of, have gotten in schools before? Not in schools, but I've definitely seen Altadena on the news before for a bear being in somebody's neighborhood. That's this unbelievable. Is again,
6: Bears trying to be humans. I'm telling you, we've seen them sitting on couches like humans. We've seen them in cars, driving down and causing accidents. Now they're in schools trying to get educated. This is this is the nightmare for all of us.
3: I can't believe it's happening in L.A. Like, I mean, we're not talking about Montana. We're not talking about, you know, North Dakota. We're talking about the second biggest city in America, and there's just bears wandering the classrooms. It's like cats and dogs living together. Uh, all right, what else we got?
6: not just the west coast how about the east coast this is what i call a freak in the sheets clay police in north carolina said a housekeeping worker cleaned up a hotel room and then called officers to remove an uninvited guest how about a boa constrictor in the bed at the roadway inn and suites in asheville north carolina which i actually lived for a couple of years cleaned up a room on monday called police found a five-foot boa slithering around inside the sheets the snake taken to the animal shelter. It was reunited with its owner, and this is why this is whoa, men- whoa, 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 worth mentioning.
3: It was reunited with its owner. The
6: owner yeah, lost listen to the this. boa? The owners, this is ridiculous to me. The owner said they had brought the serpent named Chuck along to visit a friend at the hotel and had misplaced the pet. Oh, What? You lost
3: your five-foot snake at the hotel? By the way. What do you mean you take the snake to visit a friend? At What was the <laughs> name of this hotel?
6: The the uh, Roadway Inn and Suites.
3: All right. The Roadway Inn and Suites. There's something really freaky going on there because who takes a five-foot snake to go visit their friend and then loses the snake at the hotel and doesn't report that they lost the snake?
6: They just left, like just checked out of the hotel and rolled like, well, Imagine I guess he's this gone.
3: Poor wait, uh, this poor uh, uh, the housekeeping employee who's making like $9 an hour cleaning rooms, you probably expect all sorts of ridiculousness at the Roadway Inn and Suites in Asheville. What you don't expect is to be cleaning the bed and suddenly see a five-foot snake there.
6: That's my last day on the job, I think.
3: Oh, I mean, talking about going to hell. That's, uh, that's evidence that you're going to hell when you're on the housekeeping staff and there's a five-foot snake left behind. God, that's that's pretty scary. Terrible. I I I think there was some sexual shenanigans going on in this hotel. I don't know what, but I think there was. Uh all right, anything else or are we gonna go to Justin?
0: Uh yeah, this uh this story comes out of uh the south coast of Newfoundland. Now a man was hunting and he shot a 14 point bull moose hitting his target both times. He thought the moose was dead, he approached the animal and began to prepare to dress it told his fiance to bring down his knives and when he turned around the moose was back up again it lunged at him with its antlers, flipped him into the air, he landed on the ground where the moose began stomping him he held onto his antlers, tried to steer him away but it seemed like forever eventually the moose abandoned the fight and fled the scene, he had to be hella out of there, had uh, staples in his head, hand and chest and uh, he now there's a, there's a photo along the story he has a hoof print Right on his forehead.
3: Not good. Um, do we have a picture of the fiance?
0: No, there's no picture of the fiance. <laughs> uh, baby, bring me my knives. Yeah, when you say,
3: baby, bring me my knives, I, I'm going to defend the, the the moose here. Right? The moose yeah. is in a life or death struggle. I the agree. moose is just out there, you know, like living his life. He suddenly gets shot a couple of times. There's this random dude who wants his knives to, to dress him. And, you know, it's rare that I defend the animals, but the animal just was fighting for its life. And the animal won. I think this human's lucky to be alive.
6: Newfoundland, far right in Canada, actually to the east of Quebec. I have looked it up because oh, this are you is just not showing off now because you've been oh, so yeah, wrong I'm about Canada off.
3: geography? You
6: better believe it. Show off.
3: That will never you, happen again. What did you say that? Uh, what was the place that you? I said, said Quebec
6: was-, was very close to Alberta, and they were about twenty six hundred miles from each yeah. other.
1: Yeah. A bad, bad look. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app.
3: The Baltimore Ravens were in the zone. The Stanford Cardinal managed to be in the zone for just long enough to get past Oregon State last night and avoid what would have been a pretty epic uh, upset on behalf of the Beavers. Uh, It's always hard to say that without uh, without snickering a little bit. And uh, last night's number one story, I think beyond a shadow of a doubt, I was watching... Many of you were watching as well. In the second quarter, Joe Flacco took off uh, sprinting outside of the pocket, running towards the first down line. Uh, As he realized that he was probably not going to reach that first down line, he decided to slide. As he slid, maybe perhaps a little bit late, Kiko Alonso uh, was not able or was not willing to pull up and avoid delivering what was a brutal hit that knocked Flacco out of the game with a concussion. His helmet came flying off. Uh, bleeding from the ear there was then a, a melee on the field and uh, it's the number one story i think beyond a shadow of a doubt right now in sports let's listen to that live call last night from tony romo and jim nance on cbs clacko rolling rolling and running
4: and he's gonna have to oh not the ball comes out helmets off it was kiko alonzo who delivered the blow <laughs> Black goes on his feet. And Harbaugh's yelling at Alonzo right now. He's in Alonzo's face. Harbaugh is livid. You just lost your quarterback for the game. And Harbaugh knows that. This is a... this, Joe with a good run. Slides. Oh. Bends his head. Helmet comes jarringly off. And it's definitely a penalty as the quarterback gives himself up. And he leans that arm in there. That's... That's not okay. Well, look, he knows he's going down. And at the end right there, he leans it down. Alonzo, way too aggressive. Quarterback's giving himself up. You need to at least show restraint at the end of that.
3: And uh, as a result, a lot of, uh, man, a lot of ugliness uh, in that game. As you heard, the the, the scrum after the game. I will say this for the officials. uh, There was a play earlier this year where Marcus Mariota got hit very late by Richard Sherman out of bounds and then the offensive line stood up for Mariota, and referees called offsetting personal fouls, and so there was actually no penalty assessed effectively on the play. I will say this. The one thing I liked about the way this, uh, this play was covered by the officiating crew uh, was that they did not penalize the Baltimore Raven offensive line for going after Alonzo. Uh, they just gave the 15-yard penalty for the hit, which I think is the right decision there. Because otherwise you get the hit and then you get the offensive line reacting to the hit and there's offsetting personal fouls and there's literally no impact from the play itself. And it's funny, I, my six-year-old, uh, he just turned seven, was watching this uh, this game with me uh, last night um, as we were getting ready for bed. And he thought, I, I was like impressed by him, he said, Dad, that's different than the Mariota play where both of the teams got personal fouls. And so the overall impact was negligible because you end up with the offsetting fouls. Here, you got a 15-yard penalty. Now, when I was watching that live in real time, I thought Alonzo should have gotten kicked out of the game. And I don't think there's any doubt if this were a college football game, he would have gotten kicked out for targeting. I think he should get kicked out in, uh, in the NFL as well. If I were in charge of looking at this play in the NFL, I would say that Kiko Alonzo needed to be kicked out of this game because – the NFL is only as good as the quarterbacks. And we can get into a debate about whether or not Joe Flacco is a great quarterback, but I think there's no doubt at all that the Baltimore Ravens are significantly better with Joe Flacco than they are with Ryan Mallett. Now, they're a 4-4 and team regardless. They're the most average team in the NFL so far this year. But assuming that Flacco is likely to miss at least one game and potentially two in this concussion protocol, not to mention how serious a concussion injury is in general. I think you have to do everything you can to protect a quarterback. Now, you can say, oh, Flacco should have given himself up earlier. He should have slid. Guys, I don't think we're very far from an era in the NFL when the head coach just tells a quarterback, don't even try to run. Just immediately give yourself up. If you can't throw the football, just take a knee. If you can't run out of bounds, there's no point in in trying to gain six or seven yards or eight yards or nine yards or whatever it is. There is absolutely nothing to gain by doing it because there are very few quarterbacks who can consistently run and maintain their health. I mean, who's the most successful mobile quarterback of the last 15 years in terms of being able to stay healthy? Maybe Russell Wilson. And he's had injuries, but can you think of anybody else that is consistently able to run and stay healthy? I'm not talking about for a few games they can run. I'm not talking about every now and then they might tuck the ball and take off. I'm talking about somebody who has been able to get outside the pocket and consistently make plays with his legs and also avoid serious injury. Every quarterback who's mobile in the NFL ends up significantly injured if they are mobile long enough and probably the most successful mobile quarterback of the last 20 years is Michael Vick, and he had all sorts of injuries from, uh, from things that he took when he left the pocket. Maybe you can go back in time and say Steve Young or Joe Montana, sorry, Steve Young or, uh, or John Elway, but those guys were playing in a different era. I, I don't know that you could take those hits today. The guys are bigger, stronger, faster now than when Steve Young and John Elway were playing. I'm trying to think of a guy other than Russell Wilson. Cam Newton has become a shell of himself. He can barely run now. Uh, We don't even know how many years he's got left. Ultimately, the NFL is a passer's game. And if you can't make a living passing inside the pocket, then you're worthless as a quarterback in this league. Sooner or later, they will stop you from being able to run. And not only will they stop you, they will severely injure you on the defensive side of the ball. Even a guy like Joe Flacco, who's clearly a quintessential pocket quarterback, is getting destroyed there on this play. Well, Kiko Alonso uh, was uh, approached after the game. Game was not game was a laugh.er uh, The Ravens win forty to nothing. It was an awful Thursday night contest. But Kiko Alonzo was approached uh, after the game, and this is what he said to defend himself.
5: I thought maybe if he slid a second sooner, I was anticipating him sliding. I was going to not hit him, but I think he, it was like you know uh, second late, which is why I hit him. You know, when a guy slides, you know, his target is very small. I just think, uh, you know, it was like a second a second late, which is why I hit him, to be honest with you.
3: See, I think Alonzo, uh, Kiko Alonzo, could have just gone over the top of him because he was going full speed. But I think instead of hitting him, once he's given himself up to slide, as low as Alonzo was going, it was definitely the case, in my opinion, that he knew that Flacco was going to slide and he was just trying to get a hit on him. And... Look, uh, to me, in that situation, he should have just gone over the top of him and tried to avoid hitting him at all instead of leading with the shoulder and going right in at the head level. You know the quarterback is going to slide there, and I understand you think, oh, I'm going to stop him from getting that first down. That's what I'm trying to do, but he went heat-seeking missile on him. Uh, John Harbaugh was also asked about the hit after the game, and he had this to say.
5: Joe had a concussion and a cut ear. His ear was cut from like in here all the way down to his earlobes. So they were stitching that up, without any anesthesia. So it was a tough dude at halftime, and that's as much as I know about it. You, you had some words for Alonzo. It was very apparent on TV. Was it? Yeah. Um, yeah, well, we were okay afterwards, so. Are you okay? That, that, that wasn't a clean hit, was it? I'm not commenting on that. Yeah, it was I was penalized correctly, I would say. you feel like an ejection was? It's not for me to say. thanks for
4: asking.
5: (laughs) Absolutely. No question. No question. It's a fair question. Put it that way. It's a fair question.
3: I'm surprised that Harbaugh wouldn't say yes and an ejection was merited. Maybe it's because his own defense over the years has also had its share of borderline hits, and so he didn't want to necessarily take the next step and criticize that and then look like a hypocrite when one of his guys takes out a quarterback. But to me, the most important thing the NFL can do is protect quarterbacks because quarterbacks ultimately determine whether their games are watchable or not. I mean, a Ryan Mallet versus Matt Moore Thursday night football game is not very good. A Joe Flacco versus Matt Moore contest is not very good either, but it's a lot better than what Matt Moore against Ryan Mallett would have looked like. And so my opinion is that was a dirty hit. NFL needs to send a message to defensive players that quarterbacks, especially when they slide like that, even if they're giving themselves up a little bit late, that you can't hit them. You have to protect the quarterback position right now in this league, particularly given how many, of quarterback, how many of the quarterbacks out there are getting injured. You might say, oh, well, I long for the NFL, the eras of big hits and everything else. Well, frankly, there's like 12 quarterbacks in this league who can play at a high level. And if you took these 12 quarterbacks out of the league right now, the NFL would
1: be unwatchable. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Guess who's back? It's time. A.K.A. Mr. Make It Rain on the moon. For Clay Travis to make us rich. I'm rich. Including the legendary, famous, well-known talk of the town most celebrated.
4: I'd buy that for a dollar. Blood.
1: Bank. Guaranteed. Tea.
3: We're on a roll, boys and girls. Big-time parlay hits. I'm going to start giving you a weekly parlay, too, for those of you out there. I know professional gamblers say, don't play parlays. They're a bad bet. Well, they're also a fun bet. Lots of things that are bad for you are also fun. Candy ain't good for you. You know what? It tastes pretty damn good, especially when you win like I win. All right, we went 7-4 last weekend. Big wins. Florida State at Boston College. That game is tonight. I got BC. I think BC is going to win this game outright, but they're three-and-a-half-point underdogs. Gave it out to you, by the way, at six. Uh, Rutgers at Michigan. No way that Michigan should be a 24-point favorite over anybody. Rutgers has won their last two games in the Big Ten, and Michigan hasn't beaten anybody by 24 points all year. Wolverine offense isn't good enough to be a 24-point favorite. I'm taking Rutgers. Oklahoma State at West Virginia. We were 8-3, and three and then West Virginia collapsed late against Baylor for us. Now West Virginia around an 8- or 7.5-point underdog at home against Oklahoma State. I think they cover and potentially win outright. Kansas State at Kansas. My rule right now in gambling is bet against Kansas whenever you can. I'm taking Kansas State as a 24-point favorite. USC at Arizona State. This line opened, guys, at Arizona State plus seven. I couldn't believe my eyes. I immediately bet it. Now it's all the way down to Arizona State plus three. Arizona State's going to win this game outright. Clay Helton and co. are going to lose. This is going to be a bad look for USC. Arizona State wins it outright. Duke at Virginia Tech. Justin Fuente's got things rolling right now at Virginia Tech. They scored 59 last weekend. They score 40 or more against Duke. They cover the 15 and a half. Georgia. It's going to be a biblical beatdown in Jacksonville at the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Great event to go to if you've never been to it before. Half Georgia, half Florida. Georgia fans are going to be celebrating. And I know the past 25-year history of this game. I know how often Georgia has been better and found a way to lose. I'm telling you, it's not happening this time. Georgia going to cover minus 13.5, especially if you can get them under 14. I love this line. Uh, the line right now, right around 13 and a half or 14, maybe buy it down to 13 and a half. But I think Georgia's going to blow Florida out. Florida can't score. Uh, FAU, Lane Kiffin's team scored 69, 11 straight times on the road. Uh, they're on the road this weekend. Last weekend, they beat the crap out of North Texas. This weekend, they're going to beat the crap out of Western Kentucky. The line opened at FAU as an underdog. It's now spread sprinted all the way out to FAU minus seven. I gave this to my OutKick VIP subscribers At FAU plus one and a half. I'm telling you right now, FAU wins big. Uh, Penn State. I like Penn State to cover against Ohio State. That line right around seven right now in the biggest game of the week. Vanderbilt at South Carolina. I love the under here. Two teams coming off bye weeks. Will Muschamp is the coach of South Carolina. Derek Mason is the coach of Vanderbilt. Both of them defensive gurus. Two weeks to get ready for this game. Not many points going to be scored. I love the under and... My blood bank guarantee, Tennessee at Kentucky, the under 46. I love, love, love the under in this game. I just don't think either team is going to score. Tennessee can't score. I think Kentucky's head coach, Mark Stoops, is going to coach this like it's the Super Bowl because Kentucky never beats Tennessee. The under is the play there. Okay, and here's my four-game outkick parlay. If you just like to play parlays, you just like to get rich, I got rich last weekend. I won a lot of money on a couple of different parlays. This week, my four-game parlay that I love the most, Vandy at South Carolina, the under, Tennessee at Kentucky, the under, FAU minus seven at Western Kentucky, and Georgia minus 13.5 versus Florida. Four-game parlay there for you that pays off at a really high rate. Those are the gambling picks, boys and girls. I'm telling you, we are going to get rich. We're going 11-0. Oh, oh, oh,
1: O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, oh.